everybody, you're listening to the Rope Podcast with Fox and Maya. Thanks for supporting the show. This is a show with adult content, so if you're not of legal age where you live, then turn off now. This podcast is about rope bondage. Rope bondage is edge play with inherent risk. And we strongly recommend you get proper training and listen to episode zero before attempting it. Find it at the top of our FetLife page, Rope Podcast. Fox is a rigger and Maya is a bottom, and we're rock partners who've been practicing together for about four or five years. We love sharing our enthusiasm for rock with you from our home in the lovely Thailand. Yes, we do, Maya. And today we are on the line with Washington, D.C., where we are very pleased to be welcoming Mackerel on the podcast. We are, and Mackerel is a D.C.-based creative cohabiting both the nerd and fetish world. Over her 12 years of cosplay and seven years as an entertainer, Maki has entertained the masses as a panelist, shibari model, burlesque performer, sideshow performer, and many other self-described weird skills. So we wanted to talk to her about cosplay and rope and how she combines the incredible costume she has with her delightfully nerdy background with rope bondage. Welcome, Mackerel, to the Rope Podcast. Hello. Um, Can I start by saying that that was one of the most lovely introductions that I've ever had in anything ever. So thank you so much, Maya. That is a pleasure. You're so welcome. So, Mackie, to get us started today, can you tell us how you got started with rope in the first place? I do a lot of performance art, and um, through performance art, I meet a lot of artists. And I did a show, um, it was kind of a circus show, and one of the performers was also a rigger. He happened to be into rope. Um, and he he asked me if I knew anything about shibari, anything about rope. I, I had had a very, very tiny kind of understanding of what rope was that I now realize was like nothing. Um, but he asked me if I would be interested in maybe doing rope sometime and I agreed and through that I was able to get introduced to rope and luckily um there is a there's quite a community in in the DC Baltimore area there's quite a good rope community here so um I was able to kind of have a a really good it was a, a bit of a rocky foundation, um, but I would say a foundation that was able to steady itself quickly. Why was it a rocky foundation, Mackie? Um, I think that definitely um, the way that I, I got into rope maybe wasn't the best way to get into rope. I think I also, the fact that I didn't have a dedicated rope partner um kind of left me feeling like I was I was kind of just floating and and um a lot I I felt a lot like I was I was kind of like on a rope roller coaster um and and I felt that it was very hard to to find myself as a bottom Mm -hmm. and to um sort of navigate because I, I, I'm also socially very shy. Um, despite my, my social media presence, I am a little shy. 
And so it's hard for me to make connections to people and, you know, to figure out who can I ask questions to if I don't know, you know, is this an okay experience? You know, what should I be saying during this before even these interactions? Um, so, yeah, and even now I'm still kind of learning these things as I go. Hmm. So you came into role with um, a lot of performance experience and other kinds of complementary skills. So how did you use that and develop your rope bottoming skills? Um, so I didn't really, like, I didn't have any sort of, like, formal bottoming training. Like I said, I kind of came into rope on my own. Um, uh, I have my husband and, you know, we attempted to do rope together, but, you know, because our schedules are different and our creative interests are different, um, it wasn't something that we stuck with. So, um, I didn't know what it kind of meant to be a bottom at first. And, um, it wasn't until actually I intended an intensive and, uh, Gorgon or Marika Layla, um, as she's going by now, um, was doing an intensive and there was a rigger in this area who needed a bottom because their bottom dropped out. And I agreed because, you know, why not? It's a really neat experience. And through that, I, I was able to listen and kind of internalize a lot of what Gorgon was saying, um, being a, both a rigger and a bottom. And, you know, I, that's when it kind of, things kind of got turning in my head, you know, this is what I should be asking for as a bottom. You know, this, you know, this experience should also include me and I shouldn't, you know, just be the disassociated bottom that is just along for the ride, you mm. know? this should be an experience for me as well. Um, so definitely after that intensive, I, I kind of started applying that to my, my experiences in rope and even um, my, my creative experiences in rope, um, not necessarily just my play, but like also the things that I did with cosplay and the things that I did with um, just, modeling and and art rope i guess hmm. that really goes to show how important bottom advocacy is uh, within the community that you get to meet someone that helps you understand that you can be vocal that you can be active in the rope and and you can express your boundaries and so on right yes absolutely uh, besides rope are there other kinds of fetish activities that you're involved with or that you include in your work um so I do a lot of, um, my foundation is in cosplay. And so cosplay is kind of how I got into all things, oddly. So um, I do a lot of kind of like lewd and nude cosplay modeling um, and performance art. I, I do a local DC show called The Ho Hive, and that aims to um, center black kinky artist and so um i perform in that regularly um i also model a lot of latex and i like 
kind of the feel of latex and the aesthetic of latex as well. So I include a lot of that in, um, in my modeling and like my work as well. Hey guys, this is Fox coming in for a short break. We really love making this podcast and sharing it with you. But your support can really help us pay for the hosting, the equipment, and other critical costs. So if you like this podcast and you want to support us, you can do so at ropepodcast.com. You'll find ways to buy rope tutorials and gear so we get a small commission from your purchase at no extra cost to you. In addition, you could also donate to us directly on our Patreon, either as a one-off amount or monthly support that can be as little as the price of a cup of coffee. If you can't afford to do that, that's okay. Just enjoy the podcast and maybe tell a kinky friend or two about it. Now back to today's episode. Have you had an opportunity to mix uh, latex and rope together at the same time? I have actually. Um, uh, I would say last October, I worked with um, Bell Bondage, who um, it's an amazing uh, couple uh I believe it is O to Joy and BDSLR and they they do they mix cosplay and rope and I have a latex boba fett outfit oh, that nice. is yes it is one of my favorite <laughs> things in the entire world and um BDSLR and I nerd out about Star Wars all the time so we decided you know let's do this thing and so we, we got out in 30-degree weather, and it was abysmal, but um, it, was, it was such an amazing experience, you know, just to have that kind of, to me, it was just to have that stinging kind of weather combined with the latex and the rope. It was, it, it, it made my, my little masochistic heart so happy. <laughs> And logistically speaking, did that work well for you, the, the sensation of the rope over the latex? Um, yes, yes. And I, I would do it, I think for me, and definitely in doses, I don't think that I would be able to handle a full catsuit, a full latex catsuit. I think that would be a bit of a sensory overload for me. Mm -hmm. um, but definitely the the small sensations of having you know the bits of my skin exposed and then there's the latex and then feeling the difference between the rope on my skin versus the rope on my latex that is mm. on my skin that's really lovely okay lovely. yeah and so how do you create the cosplay looks that you model because they're so intricate um, and so impressive how do you put them together um, it is, these days it is a, a combination of what I can source from other things, um, and the internet, and then what I can create within a certain time frame. Um, definitely when cosplay was more of a, a central focus in my life, um, I made everything and you know, my husband and I, my husband, he, he's a very good fabricator. So he would make every prop that I would make and we would make gigantic props. And I, I'm this, I sew things. So 
I would sew, he would make props, and it was there was a time where we were cranking out four to five giant cosplay bills a year. And um, so definitely I've, I've slowed down now, but it is, you know, it, it, it depends on the time frame and, um, you know, how much I want to do with it, really. Hmm. Of the many rope modeling shoots you've done, Mackie, what's been your favorite and why? Um, so I did a shoot last year. Uh, with a model named Jessa Jordan um, and a creative called Black Room Photo. And we we did a shoot where essentially the they tied us together and they tied Jessa in this gorgeous orange rope um, because Jess's hair was orange and me and green rope because my hair was green mm -hmm. and um, Jess is another black model um, so and and we were just a it's just us against a black backdrop but it's so I would say just so polarizing just because there's there's so much to look at there's the richness of the rope there's our skin there's our tattoos, there's our hair. Um, and it's just, I, I would say it is definitely something, one of the more powerful things that I did, um, simply for the representation and, and, you know, for the fact that there are these pictures that, you know, are more than just black rope bottoms, you know, in scene you know it is mm. us and and we're doing something that's artistic and intentional and and it's meant to invoke more than just eroticism it sounds amazing i hope we get to a link in the show notes so we that our definitely will i have seen it and it's gorgeous and yeah, i'll you. put it in the um <laughs> i'll put it in the show notes so people can see awesome. in in terms of difficulty what has been the most challenging or difficult rope shoot you've had to do so far Mm, yes. So, uh, a couple years back, I was a guest at a local convention, a local pop culture convention called AwesomeCon, and I had also booked for that weekend a rope shoot um, with a local rigger who was putting together this you know, this like really cool rope shoot where he wanted to combine rope with, um, with studio, with studio, um, lighting and like all of that really cool stuff. So everyone who signed on, they had decided that they wanted to do, you know, they wanted to do these like beautiful floral, floral motifs. And me being me, I was like, I'm going to show up in a spider-man outfit because <laughs> me i want like i want this really cool like spider-man effect yeah so um it's the sunday of the convention and i i had been at this convention since thursday and i'm in the spider 
Spider-Man Harley Quinn outfit and I'm saying goodbye to everybody and I'm like, okay, cool. I'm going to this rope thing now. And so I get to this rope thing. I don't stretch. I don't do anything. I'm like, okay, boom, put me in rope. And we go through, I would say, three to four transitions and the photos are gorgeous and I love them, but I feel like I, like my body is just broken Mm. for the next week. And, you know, it, it was just my body kind of telling me, you can't do all of this at once, you know? Um, and it does I think sound like a lot. It, it, it was a lot. And I think one of the things that I've definitely struggled with as a bottom, and I have to remind myself as a bottom is, you know, it's okay to not go and do the most, you know, it's okay to give your body a break and it's okay to communicate that maybe, you know, the third transition is too much and maybe you need to come down and maybe it's not worth that extra, you know, shot for your body Mm. to be in so much damage, you know? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Okay. That leads nicely to my next question, which is when you perform as a Shibari model, so the performance side uh, versus when you're singing, what does the collaboration with the rigger and anyone else involved? Because it sounds like sometimes you have quite, quite a lot going on look like. Um, so I think it, I think it definitely depends on, on who I am working with because there are definitely people that I work artistically with that I also, um, that I also seen with. And so, um, for me, that looks a little bit different because there may be, you know, there may be a scene going on, but to me, there are a few things within that scene that I think, you know, are, this is art. So versus, versus when I have an intent, when I go into a photo shoot, for example, and I know this is a photo shoot. This is clinical rope is what I call it. This is clinical rope. Um, there's, there's, there's nothing going on. Um, so I guess it kind of depends from, from, from rigor to rigor what it looks like, but definitely the same throughout um, is that I have to have clear communication um, of what the intent is and, and what we'll be doing and I guess what I will be physically putting my body through. And that is different, you know, from experience to experience. So you you were talking about art being a more clinical form of rope, but do you also enjoy an erotic aspect of rope bondage or do you keep more to the art side? Um, I, I definitely, there is an erotic component um, to rope with me. And um, I think that part of rope might have been what I was exposed to first. Hmm. And in that way, I think that is 
kind of that came that became indicative of what I perceived rope to be for a long time. Um, so for me, erotic rope or you know scene rope that is erotic in nature that became kind of what I thought rope was. And so for me, there there was a lot of there was a lot that I had to wrestle with with that, um, and there was a lot that I had to reacclimate myself to mm. um, with doing scenes and and with kind of mixing um, eroticism with rope. Um, but in an artistic setting and in a setting where I know, like I said, that it's going to be clinical, but the intent is erotic, I think that I'm able to separate it and I'm able to to kind of compartmentalize that this is an erotic thing that I am doing. However, inherently, this doesn't make me feel sexual. Mm. Mm. So at first you were exposed to just one aspect of rope without really understanding that there's there's many different ways to do rope. And so that kind of um, meant that you didn't have that exposure to different types. Is that right? Yes. Yes, mm, definitely. Mm. Okay. And you've previously shared, um, obviously I've been stalking you on all your uh, <laughs> social medias and, and Facebook. So you, you previously shared that you've wrestled with self-doubt and insecurity for a lot of your life. And that might connect to the shyness you talked about earlier. So how has rope and cosplay helped you to build a healthier relationship with yourself? Um, so definitely with cosplay, I... Cosplay is kind of, like I said, it's been my, my gateway to everything um, that I've done. All of my creative work is rooted in cosplay and, and kind of just having that layer of, of whatever it is, armor, fabric, um, even rope. Um, just having that extra layer makes me feel strong and, and, with rope, it's a different it's a different type of strength, definitely um, that you have, and and that and I feel that with those things and and definitely combining those things, it's it's really cool and it's really fun and it's a it's a challenging way for me to kind of blend and meld the things that I love together and. Um, Definitely rope has been a way to for me to kind of connect to people and for me to connect other people to other things and, and connect other communities to things. Um, so definitely I cosplay, I, I, I wouldn't be the person that I am without cosplay and with rope, um, Rope is just, I don't know, it's just another layer of, of armor and it's just another kind of discipline that is this complex thing that is just so beautiful and so cool to kind of deconstruct and break down and, and connect 
to other things. That's my that's my like big goal is to connect all things to cosplay. Of course. Uh, so Maggie, you're someone who's done a lot of photography with very good results from what I've seen. Uh, do you have any advice for our dear listeners in how to make robe photos more striking or more interesting or more beautiful? Um, I my number one thing is is for bottoms or anyone who is um, looking to do rope um, in a creative space, um, please do do that safely and and seek out um, seek out any sort of, of training. And I would recommend videos um, simply because it is something that I have noticed is kind of, transcending into different mediums Mm -hmm. and um it you know people may not necessarily be engaging in in safe ways or knowing that there are safer ways to engage um so just be safe with the way that you are engaging with shibari and rope bondage um and and when you're doing it um photographers um, please just know how to use your equipment and, and definitely pay attention to the body types and, and the skin tones that you are photographing, um, because that is important. Um, being aware of, of how to manipulate light and, and how to, um, make sure that the your subject just looks their best um is very important um and also communicating mutual communication between um the you as a model and the photographer um is so important just let just make sure that the intent is out there what you want um out of this and what you both look to achieve also if you are working together for the first time, um, bring someone else. It not only for safety, but um, in case like you just need someone for for an extra hand for lighting or an extra hand for spotting for anything. So um, yeah, those are my tips. So, so your friend can be a combination, emotional support, gaffer and bodyguard is what I'm yes. hearing. <laughs> yes, 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 uh, because, it, yeah. because there, there are times um, where I've had rope, um, I've had, you know, just shoots where at the end I've just, I've, I've definitely felt dropped. And so um, having a person there that you definitely trust um, just to kind of, coach you back to reality and like bring you back to earth like that's very important Hmm. what you said about uh, skin tone in photography is quite interesting to me because i'm I'm lucky to have a variety of tying partners here in bangkok and i tie with some white people with some asian people and with one black person and what advice would you have in how to best i guess um, represent skin tones in photography um, I, I would say just for photographers, 
just don't be afraid to engage other people and, and, you know, don't let the, I don't know, don't let your own limitations be the things that kind of like set you back or keep you from engaging other people and, and, and seeking variety within your work. Um, I see, I've heard a lot from a lot of riggers who, who don't have a lot of variety in, in their work, you know, well, this is just my preference and this is just, you know, this is what I want to shoot. This is who I have access to. And I, I just want you to challenge yourself and ask yourself why, why is that your preference? Why do, you know, why is that the reason? Why is that the comfortable accessibility to you? Why, why won't you engage, you know, black bottoms or, or POC bottoms? Um, and yeah, I just really want people to kind of sit with those concepts and those ideas, um, because I think they're important, um, especially with how, um, black rope bottoms and especially black femme rope bottoms navigate um, the community. Hmm. Okay. So, um, and you actually run a panel every year at, is it blurred econ? Is that right? It's blurred con blurred con. Okay. Uh, which is a people of color centered pop culture convention. And that's called kink in color. So that aims to center voices of POCs navigating kink spaces. So can, can you tell us a bit more about that? It sounds like it links to what you're saying. Yes. Um, so kink in color, uh, it started just as a concept or an idea, um, for that I had just for the questions that I had and I kind of didn't know who to ask. So I, I thought, you know, it would be really, really cool to kind of have a panel of people of, of black kinksters in the community, um, come and kind of just speak on this panel and speak about our experiences because obviously we, we share similar experiences, but then there are also nuanced experiences because black people are not a monolith. And, and so, um, so I, I created the panel and the first year that we did it, we did it at, I think 12 AM because it's blurred con is an all ages convention. And so a kinky convention would be considered an 18 plus event. And thus mm -hmm. we were at 12 AM. And so I'm thinking no one's going to come to this. You know, it's fine at most, maybe 10 people. It, it was packed, completely packed. Nice. Awesome. Uh, it, it, it was packed. We went over 30 minutes and, and, you know, it was at that time I kind of realized, you know, more black people want to know about this stuff, but more importantly, black people want to know about this stuff from other black people. Hmm. Um, and so with kink and color, um, it's kind of been 
a a thing for me not only to engage other kinksters and and you know bring these kinksters kind of into my world and into kind of like this comforting space of blurred con um but also bring these kinksters to you know black people and and let them know that hey we're out here and these are the ways that you can connect to people like you and like us and these are the ways that you know we deal with these things that you may be apprehensive about mm-hmm. and and if you don't mind us asking how has being black affected your own journey in woke um yeah 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 um it's it's definitely been something obviously that has been on my mind um recently a lot um with a lot of what is going on in America right now and um kind of just seeing things play out and also not having access um like I said I don't have a rope partner so not having access to rope on a regular basis um it has kind of had me reevaluate, you know, certain situations that I've had and and kind of like put them under a magnifying glass and and you know admit to myself that you know these are things that have happened to me and you know they they were microaggressive things or these are things that I didn't feel like I could talk about um because I I'm the singular black person and I don't know who to talk to about these things. Um, These consent violations that I am feeling are consent violations that I could only talk to with black people or that I only knew were violations because I talked to other black people. And so um, definitely as a black person, I'm now reevaluating kind of my role in the rope community and how I can not only more safely engage with rope, but also how I can safely bring others into rope and make sure, you know, other black femmes have a a safe introduction and and they know that there are other options to rope and you know that's 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 kind of where i am right now and mackie for our listeners today who are poc what kind of advice would you give to them in how to best navigate the rope community and king spaces um definitely if you if you see a black kinkster in in any capacity on the internet on social media chances are it's going to lead to other black kinksters and um just engage us and and ask us questions um there's so many of of us who are are trying to make spaces or are trying to um, either create spaces or or make the spaces that are already in place 
more safe and more inclusive and and for others um there's there's black sin um and they do wonderful work on uh social media um and they just create the most amazing talking points um for how to in, engage black kinksters um shakti bliss is another amazing creative who does so much good work for the community liquid ink stained skin madam posh there are so many um black kinksters that are out there that are actively doing the work and just look them up um engage if you are afraid of where to start in your community um because if there if those people don't know um i guarantee you there are ways that we can connect you to other people and just don't be afraid to engage this and for our listeners who are not poc but would like to support and be helpful what are the best things they can do listen to the black kinksters in your life listen to your black friends listen to your poc friends when they're telling you um that something that you're doing in the scene is not productive to the whole scene being safe for everyone um or or the whole scene being um engaging for everyone so not only that but allow black and poc kingsters to have a voice and and allow them to you know run panels and 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 don't have it feel like it's tokenism um you know the most important thing is is that black and poc kingsters deserve to have a voice and deserve to be in a space where they are able to create more space for more people like them to engage safely super and i'll try and uh, work with you to get the links to the people you mentioned and put them in the show notes to give um, a bit more visibility and make it easier for people to find them yes yes Thank you so much for talking to us today, Mikey Rowe. Thank you so much. It has been a pleasure. And that will be all from us today at The Rope Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from and come find us on our FetLife page, Rope Podcast. You can also find us easily at ropepodcast.com where you can find all the ways you can support us so we can make more of these nice little podcast episodes. We also love questions from listeners, so drop us a message on FET and we'll try to answer you in an upcoming episode. Thanks for listening. And have fun tying. <laughs>